Guys of a Certain Age is brought to you by no one. Absolutely no one. Except these dudes walking down memory lane. Now let's head to the studio to see what they misremember next. It's the show that's the Mac DLT of the podcast universe where the hot stays hot and the cool stays cool. Wow. Guys of a certain age, Robbie Koblenz in the chair alongside Art Shirley. And Jay Reed's in a different chair in a different place awaiting potentially a root canal. So, sorry, Jay. Sorry, Jay. Better you than us. That's right. Yeah, at least this time. So, um, well, how are you doing, Art? I'm doing well. Doing real well. Good, good, good. So, did you eat many MACDLTs? Yeah, I actually had my fair share of MACDLTs. I was always kind of a McDonald's person anyway. So, um, but yeah, I... That, for some reason, that marketing got me, and I was like, hey, this makes a lot of sense. So uh, they were introduced in 84, and um, doing a little bit of research for that little stinger, because I like to give a little something extra to you people here and there. Um, introduced in 84 with the idea of adding uh, lettuce and tomato to the sandwich, yes. because there was not lettuce and tomato added to any of the McDonald's You didn't have them on a Big Mac, you didn't have them on a quarter pound of cheese. That's right. right. You know what they call a quarter pounder with cheese in France? Yes, I do, but I can't remember it. It's a Royale with oh, cheese. Do fromage, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There something. Ah, who knows? who knows? Anyway, so. We need they, to watch Pulp Fiction again. We need to. That would be great. So they introduced it with the idea of adding uh, uh, tomato and lettuce, and then they had the dual capsule. Right. Back mar- when they had those styrofoam boxes for everything. And so you had the cool side that stayed uh-huh. cool and you had the hot side that stayed hot. Yeah. They discontinued it in 98 because yeah. of the styrofoam. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. And the Arch Deluxe. Do you remember the Arch Deluxe? I do barely remember the Arch Deluxe. Which was, was it like a... It was like a big... It was like a, a quarter pounder with a better bun. Oh, okay. There wasn't a lot that... Um, you know, really differentiated the Arch Deluxe from the rest of the offerings. Okay. Now I may have to have McDonald's. Yeah, I'm 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 loving it. You know. Bada bing. See, that's where I thought you were gonna go. With <laughs> that's where I should have gone. It occurred to me later. Yeah, well, all right. So uh let's jump into some geeks of the week. We'll be quick because we've got a pretty cool second half of the show to talk about, and it's not J related. So yeah. what, what's your geek of the week? Uh, my geek of the week is more DC news. And uh, I just kind of keep, again, with this, not necessarily DC death watch, but it, it's just like the, the throes of death, I guess, is what we're into at this point. The throes, the throes of death, of death. Uh, We've talked about the movies that have been canceled. We've talked about the movies that have been delayed. Uh, I think we have anyway. Shazam and Aquaman have both been pushed back. We've talked about the actors who have been arrested. That's right. Yes. And one of those is Ezra Miller, Miller, and they've had all kinds of problems with Ezra Miller, who plays the Flash in the DC Extended Universe or DC Movie Universe, whatever they call it at this point. Um, and so, you know, there's been questions as to whether or not they released that film. Uh, and, and right now they seem to be going ahead. And to further complicate things... The movie itself has done very well with test audiences. It's one of the highest ranking test audience movies that DC has done. Granted, that may not mean a lot. <laughs> also, the Snyder Cut had had, uh, had done pretty well with test audiences. Uh, but So that gives them a predicament. Now, is, is Ezra Miller part of the reason that it's doing so well? I always thought he did a great job as Flash. I, you know, I did, kind of went into him with some hesitation of him having the role just because I liked uh, Grant Austin. Gustin. Gustin, uh, so much as uh, the CW's Flash. 
but I thought he did a good job. Um, and his, his personal problems, which are just, I mean, just really, obviously there are some things going on that, um, that Ezra needs to work out, uh, and, and have some help working out. But what does this mean? Does this mean that they have to find some way to keep him? Cause there's been speculation that they might add something at the end that, that changes who the flash is in the DCU. Uh, so that, um, you know, you've got, uh, the possibility of maybe a Wally West character coming in and taking over the mantle of the flash, or maybe you bring in Barry Gustin from CW and maybe, maybe he becomes the movie version of the flash as well. Uh, that'd be easy enough to fix because there is that precedent in the comics of, of alternate universes and, and different timelines that was uh, established in Flashpoint and some other you know, big series that they did. So I'm curious to see. Well, and there's also the the whole specter of Michael Keaton out there trying to where, where's where's he going to go? Yeah, and they the rumor is they've replaced a lot of his scenes. Now that was in Aquaman, I think that they yeah. replaced uh, Michael Keaton. So hopefully, I mean, I want to see this. I hope they'll keep Michael Keaton, and I still want to see Michael Keaton reappear as Batman. It would be great. Yeah. And, you know, apparently there may be a plan to release Batgirl somehow, some way. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they, 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 they're going to take the tax write-off, but in the future they could release it and then pay back the money to the feds. Oh, okay. For the tax okay. write-off. Yeah, so okay. Kind of let it build a little anticipation up. And then there, say, okay. There could be a couple of things going yeah, on there. I still think they should. I mean, I, I think that... Uh, it, it would be worth seeing it um I, man it didn't didn't somebody say was it you or was it jay who said that they found their their kevin feige oh we talked about that last week yeah did we talk about that last week we may have talked about it off mic actually I had a conversation talk- off mic. yeah yeah no we did because i sent the thing out it was it was something that i said uh, again a lot of times we will <laughs> the best geek news comes an hour after we finished recording. Yeah. And you're right. That was that was right. They found, um, and I can't remember the guy's name. I'm pulling it up from Geek Tyrant now, even as we speak. Uh, Dan Lynn. Lynn. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And, and he's going to be over TV and um, and film. Right. And that's what they're calling him because they're hoping that, uh, and I don't know that the, I don't know that it's all official that he's taken the position yet or not, but uh, they're hoping he will be a Kevin Feige type and give some direction, which has been lacking. And, you know, it may be that they're cutting these movies in order to try to streamline and, and have a more focused direction on things. But uh, their goal is to do what Marvel has been doing for the past 20 years. Yeah, and they've tried to shortcut it a few they times. They did very much try to shortcut it. So, But anyway, you're, I think you're just going to be our D.C. special correspondent yeah, going D.C. Forward. special. Yeah, <laughs> and usually that means I'm in Washington. <laughs> but in our world, it yeah. means we're talking about uh, yeah. comic books. That's right, that's right. So Our special correspondent from D.C. will join us now. Yeah, and he walks in, and it's Art. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Wow, that was squeaky, I think. That, that really was. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, From Laverne and Shirley, really, for yes. those who didn't get it. Because yeah. he and I, yeah. Art and I immediately knew. So does that make you Laverne? Because I'm obviously Shirley. <laughs> Don't call me Shirley. Uh, uh, all right, let me go into my geek news. So House of the Dragon, which I think you said you got to 21 minutes. 21 minutes when the first castration started. 
<laughs> Sorry, spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we had our dog Elvis fixed this week. Yeah. This week, so he can't watch it either. He can't either. Too soon. Uh, yeah, way too soon. Uh, so, but House of the Dragon has been well. Number one, it was the uh, first of all. I should say it's it was the biggest show premiere in HBO history yeah. as far as eyeballs, uh-huh. and I think. <laughs> And other body parts. Uh, And so I think episode two actually increased on those numbers just a touch. Um, But what was real interesting is right after episode one premiered, they announced that um, um, that they've renewed for season two, which that was a foregone conclusion. But uh, they've got two showrunners there. And one of them, I'm going to pronounce, I'm just going to butcher his name, Miguel Sapachnik. Whoo, boy, that was... It's got to be right. Yeah, sure. Uh, he has quit a showrunner for season two. Yeah, and he was actually part of the original Game of Thrones. So he directed several a- uh, okay. episodes. He directed, I think, Hard Home and Battle of the Bastards. Uh-huh. Sorry, Mrs. Reed. And uh, was a really, really good director. But he signed a first look deal with HBO, so he's going to be doing some of his own things. Yeah. So, um, you know... It, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Yeah, I one of the things with episode two, I've not seen all the way through episode two yet because I've been binging the offer, which it's something you can't refuse. We're going to talk about that after mm-hmm. the break. Um, you know, it, it the <laughs> back up. Okay, I got it. I'm getting text left and right. What they did with the theme song for House of the Dragon, it's the Game of Thrones theme song uh-huh. with a similar animated intro. Okay. But it's not a variation of the theme. Yeah. It is the actual the, theme. It's the actual okay. theme, which I found that very interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, especially with Strange New Worlds, Strange New Worlds with, you know, Star Trek on, on Paramount. Mm-hmm. Um, they their their theme is loosely based and inspired by the original series, right? But it's its own thing. It's its own thing. Yeah, and I, I kind of like it better. Yeah. To be honest okay. with you, uh, it may be my second favorite uh, Star Trek theme of all time, behind Voyager. I love Voyager. Yeah, I think Voyager is the best. Okay. So, but anyway, that doesn't matter. I just thought that was real interesting that they really the House of Dragon, the House of the Dragon really wanted to go full bore into, hey, we are Game of Thrones by taking the theme music. Yeah. So it's kind of like every James Bond movie having the exact same theme song. Well, so, well I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not talking about... You're talking about, about the James Bond theme yeah, as I opposed guess so. to the, the theme, theme song. song. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, it's kind of like Auburn. What's the war eagle is their cry and their mascot's a tiger. Yeah. Don't really understand that, so... Anyway, that's neither here nor there nor yeah. yonder. House of Dragon, House of the Dragon, House is that of what Dragon. It is? House it's of the, Dragon. It's, it's like the, it's the like House of the Dragon, Dragon pancakes. You know, <laughs> yeah. International yeah. House of Dragons. That's pretty yeah. funny. Uh-huh. Season two is coming. I'm sure they're going to run that mm-hmm. as far as they can. And speaking of sword and sorcery, fantasy stuff, as we record this, September first. The Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, dropped today. Drops today. Have you watched it yet? No, it actually drops tonight. Oh, it comes on tonight. Okay, yeah. so uh, I knew it was today, but yeah, I, yeah. I think they're going to do a primetime release, a okay. couple episodes. So uh, really looking forward to that. Are they doing just one episode? Are they doing two? I don't know. Because they released two in the theater, and maybe that was to give it a two-hour probably. Or two I would, hour plus. I would imagine they will drop yeah, two tonight. Yeah, I would think so. 
Yeah, they paid over yeah. like close to $300 million for the rights. Yeah, that actually came up in our leaders meeting at work today. <laughs> and the, the, with the idea that you should watch it on the biggest screen you have available to you. Yeah, I'll watch it before I go to bed on my iPad. Really? You're not yeah. going to fire up the old projector and watch I've it? I've got too much to do to go through that much trouble yeah. to do it. And nobody else will watch it with and, me. And if correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it just a matter of you pushing a button and lowering your screen you know the screen is built into the wall yeah. you don't have to lower anything but you know yeah okay. i probably have to update the apple tv yeah. you <laughs> and know. your domino's app for some reason yeah. <laughs> that's right every <laughs> single time oh yeah. anyway all right well let's uh let's go to the to the break let's come back let's talk about the offer on paramount tv plus what a fabulous series. We're going to talk about it next. Guess what, Art? What, Robbie? We have Jay fresh from the dentist chair. How did oh. it go? How did it go, Jay? Well, it went well in the sense that I'm not having any drilling today, but apparently the tooth is is at the point of no return or very close to it. So it looks like it's coming out, but not today. Okay. Point of no return. Wasn't that a Banana Rama song? I thought it was Kansas uh, song. And it was Kansas song too. Yeah. Was that but, a Bond movie too? I don't know. It seems like it's a lot of things. So if it's if it's Kansas, it's point of no K N O W oh, return. Right. If it's Bananarama, it's N O return. Okay. Well, I don't. I know I'm not looking forward to song. it either way. Yeah. All right. So we've cut into our regularly scheduled programming at the end of the first segment. We signed off. We teased the offer. But we wanted to offer you the chance to give us your geek of the week, Jay. Make it worthwhile. Make it worthwhile. Well, it's, this is monkeys news hey. just out uh, in the hey, last hey, couple of days. We're the monkeys. Go ahead and give me the musical interlude. That's it. That's um, all I got in me. So Mickey Dolenz, who is the sole surviving member of the monkeys group that we all know and love, um, apparently is suing the FBI. Have you heard about this? I've read. Not. It. I, read I haven't it, seen it. I almost pulled this for my geek of the week this morning. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, great minds think alike. So, yeah, apparently back in the, gosh, in the late 60s when they were kind of at their heyday or at the beginning, um, they were targeted by the FBI for anti, it wasn't anti-American, but it was like anti-Vietnam War stuff. So it, I don't know if this is actually true or not, but they had a concert and they had a video screen and they were showing subliminal messages of, of the war and riots and stuff in Selma, Alabama, all that stuff. So they kind of looked at them as a subversive group. And then there was another, another deal. So there was two incidents apparently where they were uh, scrutinized by the FBI. And uh, so now he's suing them under the freedom of uh, the freedom of information act to get all the documents and find out. And it acted like he was going to use it for some sort of documentary or some such. Um, but the second, whatever the second event was, the paperwork is so heavily redacted. It's really hard to tell what, what they were after. Wow. But, uh, anyway, I just thought that was kind of fascinating that the monkeys are back in the news, but in a very different form. So do you think you, any of us have got an FBI file? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I went back I and forth. I can either confirm or deny that. What, what, Jay? I said, I went, if I don't have an FBI file, I probably have a State Department file, yeah, just you, given my travels. You probably do, and and Art's kind of a shady character, too. He just That's plays right. a nice guy on the radio. So, That's right. Um, yeah. All right. 
I guess that was worthy of uh, of interrupting this masterpiece of a podcast that that, oh. that Art and I've already done. So, but well, it was an offer you couldn't refuse. It was an offer we couldn't refuse. So, all right, we're going to let you get back to your regularly scheduled programming, and we will see you next time around. All right, thanks a lot. Take care. See you. Hey, it's Robbie. It's Art. It's Jay. And this is Guys of a Certain Age. We want to invite you to our live recording, first and probably last, at Dave's Dark Horse Tavern on Highway 182 in Stark Vegas, October 6th at 7 p.m. We put it at 7 because Jay's got to work that day. We hope you guys see us. Food, (laughs) fun, wings, Jay, A lot of preparation. Myself, come see us. We'll see you then. It's the gift that keeps on giving. It's art, surely. You were born 30 years too late. Yes, I was. Yeah, I mean, because you would have made a fortune in 50s and 60s radio. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Yeah, you would have made... Yeah, they would have gone, who's doing all these sounds? You would have made dollars a day. Dollars a day. Which would have right. gone a lot further back Which is there. a lot of money in the radio world. Unless yeah. you're, you know... Unless it's payola. Yeah, that's right. Payola. Yeah. Payola. Woo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't want the feds after us. We're going to talk. I wonder if there's a potola for podcasting now. Ooh. Yeah, but we're not going to get any of that We're not either. getting that. We're not getting anything. So uh, we're going to talk the offer. That which, was supposed to be the Godfather theme for those that didn't recognize it. Yeah, that's it. right. Yeah. yeah. Cue Mario Puzo now. <laughs> so um, so Paramount Plus debuted a a show called The Godfather. It's a 10-episode limited the, the series. Offer. The author, the Godfather. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Which the Godfather went off Paramount Plus today on the first. Oh, did it really? It's no longer it's okay. not available. Yeah. So anyway, they uh they they produced a show about the chaotics going on yeah. behind the scenes yeah. of The Godfather. Yeah. And I thought this was based on a book, but it's actually I don't think there's a book that's just the recollections of Albert S. Ruddy. Yeah. Uh, who is uh, the character that produced the, I mean, is the guy that produced the Godfather movies. He's played by Miles Teller. This is my favorite thing I've seen Miles Teller do. You know, I I came away saying I'm a Miles Teller fan. Me too. And I've always, I've never not, you know, I haven't disliked him, but I've just never really been, you know, I was like, he's been, he's good. He's serviceable, but he was really, really good in this. He was fabulous. So, you know, the the joke I had for the show is what happens when uh, Osmodeus, uh, Reed Richards and Keeley walk into a bar. They make the Godfather. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because uh, Osmodeus is uh, it's Robert. Uh, it's Bob Evans. Bob Evans. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Not to be confused with the. Yeah. And that guy's in a lot. He's been in the Crown. He's yeah. in a lot of stuff. Boy, he is so good. Yeah, that's uh, Matthew Good. Yeah, Matthew Good probably. Yeah, is Robert is Bob Evans. Uh, yeah, the, the head of Paramount at the time. Matthew B. Good. Matthew B. Good. No, not really. There's oh, no okay. there. It's like I'd... Yeah, he's Johnny's brother. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. So, um, and yeah. then, of course, Juno Temple from uh, uh, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. She's Keely. Keely. Ted Lasso. Yeah. She, oh, was, she was great. She was ah, She's always so good. Everybody they had in this was Well, fabulous. that's true. Everybody I mean, in it was great. Yeah. And uh, I'm a big Burn Gorman fan. He played, um, he played Charlie. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's in a lot of he's in a lot of our kind of movies anyway. Pacific yeah. Rim stuff. Yeah, uh, he's just he was in Torchwood. He, he was, was in Torchwood. That's where I first saw him. Yeah. He was in Torchwood. That's right. I and he played that. this uh, older Austrian uh, businessman, this CEO uh-huh. of this conglomerate. Yeah, you know, I always, you know, back in the day, you had Paramount, the Paramount logo, Gulf Plus Western Company. Yeah, you know, and I never never really, really knew what that meant. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so Paramount was just a small division yeah. of this gigantic. You know, right. International 
conglomerate. Yeah, kind of a tax write-off company for them in a lot of yeah. ways sometimes. I mean, they, they could afford to lose money in, in production, but they didn't want to. I mean, yeah. they were hoping to try to to make money with this. And so they the Godfather at the time was like the biggest book out there. Yeah. And they optioned it, I think, before... It was released or something? Maybe they, or no, shortly after it was released. Because I, they, I think they optioned it before, right before it was released. Okay, because that's why they got such a good deal on the yeah, book. Right? I mean, like yeah. $10,000 yeah. for Mario that. Puzo was just about to, you know, go bankrupt. He was about to have to give up being an author. Yeah. And uh, the book was a huge success. And then the, the he did, the, helped, he wrote the screenplay, he and Francis Ford. Uh, Coppola. Coppola, who, um, uh, was a director of the of the movie as well as, as I'm sure most everybody knows, but in um, in Coppola had won an Oscar for Patton. I don't know whether screenwriting it, he did screenwriting, screenwriting yeah, for because Patton. what he would do is if you remember the blockbuster or maybe it wasn't the blockbuster I can't remember no this was something else because they didn't talk about uh, uh, Coppola in that but uh, they uh, he he would he would finance his films his independent films his experimental stuff by doing other things that were more mainstream, although he hated it, you know, apparently. And he wrote the screenplay for Patton and that gave him enough money to go do something else. And then he was out of money. <laughs> they talked him into coming in and doing the, the directing the Godfather. So the, the, the movie is, uh, the series is told from the point of view of Al Ruddy, yeah. uh, who was a programmer for the Rand corporation. Yeah. Yeah. And IT guy. Yeah. Well, no, we wouldn't really necessarily IT. Oh, but just coding kind of stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. And a really smart guy and had a buddy in the movie business Yeah, and got in on a pitch meeting and he had the idea for Hogan's heroes. Yeah. So we get to see the pitch for Hogan's heroes. I know always, nothing. But you always wonder how did that ever get greenlit, you know, but, uh, I mean, it made sense the way they, they did it. And, of course, it was a hysterical show. I love the show. Uh, but uh, but that was his first claim to fame yeah. was that. But he wanted more. He wanted to be a producer of uh, big-budget Hollywood movies. So he ends up at uh, Paramount talking to Bob Evans. And I'd forgotten. <laughs> I, maybe I never really knew how huge Paramount was. Yeah, it was a big deal at the time. And, you know, it still is. But, I mean, it was. It, I think it was one of the top things at the, that point, right? Because yeah. it, had, it had such good movies that had come out. Yeah, Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Um, you know, Love Story happened right before Godfather came yeah. out. Um, and and the, that was the one they kept saying, we need another love story, right? In, yeah. in terms of financial success. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, Bob Evans was kind of a, mm-hmm. he was kind of a big deal and yeah. married to Allie McGraw at the time. Yes. And, uh, saw a little soap opera drama of that. Yeah, that's Bold. right. So, but the, the stories from Al Ruddy's point of view and the kind of his career track where he, he comes in, he has success with Hogan's heroes. He wants to parlay that into movies yeah. that back then that was two entirely separate uh, worlds yes now right. there's a lot of crossover right. and we've seen that happen in the last 10 15 years especially mm-hmm. with streaming right but you know actors movie actors never did tv and tv guys right. wanted to get to movies but yeah. they never, didn't want to go back yeah never could sometimes yeah. um unless you're you know tom Selleck or mm-hmm. um um bruce um Willis. Yes. Thank you. Just like horns being. Yeah. Yeah. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, fascinating. Takes place late 60s, early 70s Hollywood. Yeah. What did you like most about the series? Just the thing is, and I know they took artistic license with some things. They Some of the things they showed didn't happen exactly like it was, but just the way that uh, he would be presented a problem and he had to find a way to make this thing happen. I mean, the first thing was... You know, the mafia 
in New York did not want the movie made. Frank Sinatra did not want the movie made. So he has to go and, and deal with this mob boss, Joe Colombo, played by Giovanni Ribzi, who's another one of my favorites. Who, who is, we're going through Friends, and he's Phoebe's brother. Yeah, that's and right. Friends, that's, it's right. Like, that's right. I knew I knew him. He's also an avatar. He's the bad guy in Avatar. Oh, the corporate was. guy in Avatar. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. he's been in a lot of stuff. Good, Great actor. But he plays uh, this mafia boss. Joe Colombo. Joe Colombo, yeah. who... Uh, who they went over and he becomes, you know, a, a supporter of theirs and helps convince Frank Sinatra that it's going to be okay to do the movie. And, um, but then he's in bed with the mafia, literally <laughs> just, you know, and so he's, he sees the dark side of things and realizes what have I done? But I just love, that's what I liked about it most that, was all this kind of weird problem solving that he had to do every day. There was another challenge to take care of. And he and Juno Temple's character, Betty McCart, who, you know, was a secretary, but was so much more. She was that. an assistant producer. Yeah, is what yeah, she I mean, was. She, yeah, she absolutely was. You know, in in the idea of in the movie world, the producer is the guy who puts all the pieces in place. Yeah, and he's the guy who gets your screenwriter. Yeah, he gets your director, helps cast the whole nine yards, and he's the problem solver. Yeah. He's the buffer between the Hollywood uh, studio boss and your director. Uh-huh. And you would see Francis Ford Coppola, the you know in in the dramatization yeah. he would go to al ruddy you know i need this I yeah go i know he was sleep. always he was saying i gotta have the right shade of yellow is one of the uh yeah. was one of the episode titles he had all these things and and ruddy would make it happen and then it'd be oh uh, that's great but i need more i've got to have more I, I can't make the movie without al pacino had to have al pacino which that whole thing was interesting to me because he's yeah. such an icon such a legendary actor now and to think that nobody wanted him to play michael they wanted james Kahn to play michael the studio did and then robert redford at one point yeah yeah they had anybody other than somebody that was perfect for the role like uh, al pacino he, turned out to be but he wasn't known he wasn't known he was a theater actor yeah and you know still that's his first love apparently but um the, it was just so so cool the way they and the the way they would win the the suits over to the idea. Also, we didn't mention uh, Tom Hanks's son, Colin Hanks, who should probably just mentioned in, by, in his own right now. Colin Hanks, yeah, uh, he was great. Uh, played one of the his, his character apparently was amalgamation of several different characters' suits who represented the the money aspect of it and didn't understand the creative part of it, uh, but thought they could make better movies. But anyway, they had to win all these folks over. And Lou Ferrigno. Yeah, Lou Ferrigno's in there. Yeah. Yeah. So he's playing the real life mobster. I can't remember the character's name. Who they cast as Luca Brazzi. Yeah. Lenny Montego? Montana. Montana. Yeah. 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 And I remember that scene from The Godfather where he's practicing with the cards. And I love the little Coppola's like, going to put that in yeah and he just makes that part of it and that was again the problem solving stuff was just genius to me seeing how that stuff was happening on the set and then some of the things too i, I loved were um you know the the old style you know it's calling it old style now but the old style of production where all the effects had to be done in camera you know yeah. you had to you had to find ways to make that work little things he did as the francis for couple as the director um you know, like there's the scene where Michael goes back and tries to find the gun on the yeah. back of the bathroom, uh, uh, the toilet stall. And uh, the guy's hidden it. He said, we're going to tell him it's on this side. So there's this look of frustration. I know it's right here and he can't find it. Just little touches. So, you know, and uh, it, I just I love seeing the process. I love seeing the problem solving it. Plus, it's just a really entertaining movie. It is. The, the, the soundtrack was great. Yeah. Yeah. Everything was so good. Kind of like that, that kind of a light jazz sort of thing. And yeah. It, it really was 
a love letter to Paramount. Yes. At the end of the day, which which know, on <laughs> Paramount Plus, yeah, yeah, surprising that it was, yeah, yeah, um, and uh, who oh, who was the uh, director who I really liked? Um, see if I can look it up. Uh, one of the guy who direct one of the gr- guys who directed most of it. Um, oh, actually, the episode director. I thought yeah. you meant a character that was in there. Yeah, no. Oh, come on. I don't want the app. I don't care about the app. Let me get into the directed by Adam Arkin, who I'm a big oh, fan yeah. of. Oh, yeah. he did. Yeah, I was very surprised to see that he was the director of these things. Yeah, he did. Most four, of them, anyway, He right? did four of the uh, of the oh, ten. Okay. And uh, I love... I became aware of Adam Arkin when he was a um, had a guest starring role in the West Wing. Yeah. I've I've just oh I've always thought since then he's he's a great actor and whenever yeah. he's popped up. Obviously he's a great director. So yeah. he in the I don't know if you guys watched the behind the scenes vignettes afterwards. No, we need to go back well, we need to go back and watch those, I guess. We yeah. watched a few of those. We ended up, no, we did watch and go back and watch some of those. Yeah, so, I think we watched them after we had seen the whole series because we didn't want to hold a lot of stuff yeah. spoiled for them. Yeah, we watched some of that. So uh Arkin was the only director that they uh, talked to right. through those. That's why I guess I thought he was the only one, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, it just uh, production values were great. Mm-hmm. I mean, they spent some money. Yeah, uh, absolutely and, did. And yeah. I mean, it looked like it was it was almost documenting the making of yeah. the Godfather. Uh-huh. So and there were I mean just funny stories. Like I said, I know they took liberties with the stories, but there was a kernel of truth in everything they showed. Is what I understand. Like there was actually an altercation between Mario Puzo and Frank Sinatra in the thing. I don't know that it was as quite as you know. As, as come to blows as, as it did. forceful yeah as yeah. forceful as it was but yeah frank sinatra did not want the movie made yeah and uh, one of the stipulations that uh, they had was you, you couldn't mention the word mafia and the thing is that i think the screenplay only had it in there two maybe one or two times so it wasn't it wasn't a big deal but they thought it was going to be terrible yeah and uh, uh, and apparently the they were originally going to call the movie the mafia yeah Oh, yeah. one of my favorite things too was seeing the poster design because you know I'm. So oh cool. my goodness, <laughs> yeah. the V. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it was just it was there was so much of it that was just uh, yeah, and not that I'm in that world or whatever, but you know I, I am in the design world, so I, I see some of that stuff and 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 understanding. Wow, I mean, this is just so off of what they want, you know, what they, it should be, and and they're trying to do stuff that the suits are telling them to do and produce something and it's just you know the albert s ruddy had a great vision of the whole thing i think betty mccart had a great vision of it certainly francis and mario had a had an idea what they wanted it to be oh and the fact that you know mario mario's wife mario puzo's wife tells albert ruddy All right, he's diabetic you're gonna have to watch it and he <laughs> just starts eating you know cannoli and cake and all this kind of oh, stuff the whole it was time. great yeah and what about the actors they hired to play actors? Uh, the Some were better than others. Yeah. I thought the guy that played Pacino was great. I thought he was great. What yeah. about the guy who played Brando? I thought he was I liked him. I, thought I liked he was him good. quite a bit. I, yeah, I thought he was really good. The guy that played James Caan eh. was okay. Yeah. But uh, Brando and Pacino especially were very good. Uh, yeah. I can't remember. I can't remember the uh, the woman that played, um, uh, gosh, dog, Kate. I can't remember. <laughs> Who's the... Uh, Good grief! Who's the actress? Annie Hall. Who's the uh, oh Diane Keaton? Diane Keaton. Wow, yeah. just complete. I can't yeah. remember her. I uh, yeah. Uh, but um, but uh, I thought that I thought everybody was really good, with with a few exceptions. Uh, but the whole Brando thing, the way he auditioned again, artistic license, but the way they told that story was really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. And I love the scene where they they get 
the the, the primary cast together to have dinner. Yes, that and, was very that was very cool. And they all go into character uh-huh. and they get into fights yeah. and it's just it was absolutely uh-huh. beautiful. So apparently that happened. Yeah. So uh-huh. and I don't know. I hope it's true that uh, there's a part where um, the brother-in-law Carlo. I can't remember the actor that the actor that played the actor that played him. Yeah. Anyway, um, actually got physical, got too rough with uh, with uh, the Godfather's daughter, uh, and uh, and and so Albert Ruddy goes to uh, James Conn and said, "You need to work the, him over a little bit." That yeah. scene where he beats him up in the in the uh, in the uh, in the street is is apparently him really getting beat up. Yeah, <laughs> Talia Shire is who played yeah. the actress in The Godfather, but yeah. I can't remember who played who played uh, her in the in the offer. So, um, where does The Godfather rank in your pantheon of favorite movies? Oh, it's it's one of those that I kind of forget about because I tend to rank. You know, I, I probably lean more towards uh, the Star Wars and, and Star Trek stuff beforehand. But I watched it again right after this. And it is one of my top favorite movies. I'd probably easily in the top ten, possibly in the top five, especially mm. if you were to lump like the Star Wars stuff together as one thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. Casablanca is one of my favorite ones. But the the first two are as close to perfect movies as you can imagine. Uh, and I, I I lean towards liking the first one better. A lot of people like the second one better, but to me, the first one is 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 the better of the two. Yeah, uh, it just holds up on its own. Now I've also seen a thing. It's called the Godfather Saga, where they they take the first two movies, recut them together, so they're all chronological. Huh. Uh, Godfather Two takes place; it's both the sequel and a prequel. And a prequel, yeah. yeah. But uh, so they they do them chronologically, and it doesn't work nearly as well as with the the back and forth between uh, seeing the young Vito Corleone and uh, Michael Corleone, uh, you know, contrasted. So I, I like that better. Third one, there's a recut of the third one. And it is just still unwatchable. I, mean, I hate is to it say it, but bad? it is just so bad. Yeah. I mean, I watched it as part of the viewing of the whole trilogy again, and I had not seen the the new cut, uh, The Godfather Coda. Uh, the Death of Michael Corleone is what the new one's called. Uh, and they've added scenes to it. Wait, did they add scenes to it? They added things to the first two, um, and they've cut things from the third one. I think that's what they did. They cut things from the third one. But it still just does not work. And a lot of it has to do with just some uh, some poor acting. You know, you don't have the cast you had for the first yeah. one. And uh, and I think maybe some poor direction, too. I think there's some decisions that were made that just aren't don't live up to the original dream. Did, did Coplo too? Yeah, he did all three of them. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I read something earlier today where, where Coplo wanted Scorsese to do part two, direct part two, and the studio wouldn't have him. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they were all part of that. You had you had Coppola, you had uh, uh, you had Lucas, you had Scorsese, Scorsese you had yeah. um, Spielberg. Although Spielberg was there, he seemed to be more friends. I know he was friends with all of them. Yeah. But he seemed to be more friends with Lucas than and then yeah. Lucas and Lucas and, and Coppola were friends together. And then um, oh gosh, who else did you have? Anyway, that whole yeah. group. Scorsese yeah. was certainly part of that group. Yeah. 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 That uh, kind of. That that new cinema, mm-hmm. we're gonna do it our way. Yeah, smaller, lighter cameras, a little bit more guerrilla style. Yeah, in, in some some cases. Yeah. So. Now, what's interesting to me is that Albert S. Reddy did not participate in the sequel. I, I thought, was very surprised at that. Yeah, and so that was one of the things that it 
you know the movie does great, yeah. but there were several points like, did did Joe Colombo die? No, he didn't. He died, you know, that years later. Yeah, yeah, years, years later. later. Uh-huh. Uh, and and Ruddy went on to, to produce his own treatment, something he came, the story he came up with called The Longest, Longest Yard, Yard with yeah. Burt Reynolds. Have you which, seen that? I've never seen. Oh, that. that's a great movie. Is it good? It's it's not to me not anywhere near in the same league of uh, as The Godfather, but it's a it's a really it's a good movie. It's a it's a. Uh, Highly entertaining, man. Just there's some some brutal parts in that to me, but um, I need to watch it again. We talked about watching that again since we realized that was his second thing, and of course they remade it with Adam Sandler later. But uh, it was, and they had Burt had Burt Reynolds in there because he was, you know, of course they did, yeah, showing up for, to to audition for or to be, you know, pitched the the Longest Yard, which he didn't want to do. Yeah. But anyway, that's what he did. So, uh, but it, it's it, the the offers is quite different from what we usually watch or recommend. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I cannot recommend it enough. And again, Miles Taylor, Taylor, Teller yeah. was fabulous. He really, he really was. What's interesting to me is Miles Teller was up for the role of Elvis and, um, and uh, Austin, Lost Austin, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm drawing blank on the guy that played Elvis's name, Austin. Yeah. Anyway, that guy was up for the role of, rooster in top gun and they both ended up getting the other parts that's funny yeah but uh and i i thought miles teller was 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 really good in in top gun but he didn't make nearly the impression on me that he made in the offer he was yeah. just i mean i watched him and, wow this guy is really really good and you remember he was in the fantastic four too. yes he was reed richards in the fantastic four and he was also in whiplash which i've never seen but i understand that's if have you seen that whiplash uh, which no. also has jay jonah jameson in it but it's a it's a tough movie to watch i understand it's about a drummer you know and a band director but um anyway i have to may have to check that out just because i'm, I'm such a fan of his now all right so highly recommended for the offer It'll get you a little bit off the beaten path watch it on paramount plus and while you're watching it on paramount plus watch strange new worlds from star trek we did not get paid for any of that but that's uh some great tv we need right to there. we need to work on our own offers we really do <laughs> we really yeah. do so all right thanks for joining us we'll talk to you next time around